And the thing I like about Christmas is it's that time of year where you make that effort. You get up early, you see family, and you don't mind if you're tired. I mean, Boxing Day, who... It's not like you have to go shopping or anything. It's just sit on the just just sit just sit on the couch and watch the cricket, right? Okay. And so this morning, this morning I want to talk about the reason for this season, the source of all joy. And so my message is titled "The Baby That Changed the World." Now I know that many of you may know the Christmas story, and that the focus is on Jesus' birth. But today I want to go in a, in a slightly different direction. I want to go on a journey as to how his physical birth gives us a new spiritual birth. Now, some of you may wonder how a baby can change the world and give us a spiritual birth. You know, I've asked, my question, I've asked that question a lot. So my message, I hope, will address that and show how the birth of Jesus was a cause for hope because of what his life would do for our life. Let's pray. Father God, we, we thank you for the great gift that you gave us in Jesus. And we, we thank you for the opportunity to come together in your house and worship together and just hang out together and celebrate your son. And I pray that you would speak your words through my lips. In Jesus' name, amen. So I've always had an understanding that babies are important. I mean, they're the continuation of a family line. They're the next generation that come through and, and lead society. And they're cute. But it's really been this year where I became an uncle for the first time, where I've understood that babies are the promise of new life. You see, it's a, it's a new thing in the family. For my sister and brother-in-law, it's, it's a brand new experience. It's their first child. And they breathe life into the people around them. And to me, that's important. And see, we celebrate the birth of babies because of how it brings us new life. I mean, there's very few things that are funnier than watching and listening to a baby laugh. You can't help but completely lose it sometimes. And that got me thinking. Aside from that, what meaningful thing does a baby contribute to society? You see they're kind of helpless. They can't walk on their own, they can't talk properly, and they can't feed themselves. And they make a mess. So if this is what a baby's natural behavior is, what was it about Jesus that attracted such a wide variety of people to his bedside? So I just want to read a little section from Luke. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 18. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favour rests. 
When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told, uh, told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. It's a pretty cool story. And it's definitely unique. You know, you've got the shepherds doing what they do. And out of nowhere, you know, this angel just drops down. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was out looking after my flock and just chilling out, and then all of a sudden an angel appears, I'd I'd have a little bit of a freak out. You know, even for God's chosen people throughout the Old Testament, this sort of thing wasn't a common thing to happen. You know, imagine you're in your workplace doing the thing that you do, whether that's tapping away on a keyboard, driving a truck, building stuff, teaching, and something like that happens. What's your reaction going to be? The appearance itself of an angel is enough to throw you off your game, let alone what the angel had to say. And then once you've started to wrap your head around that, the heavenly host appear and start singing. Talk about an eventful night. So I'm not sure about you, but I might have needed some time to process what I saw if I was in their boots. But the shepherds, to their credit, they, they responded straight away. The thing is, though, there were a number of prophets and prophecies during the Old Testament that related to the Messiah. And so if they knew of those promises, the birth of this child would actually make sense and that would push them towards going to see him because it was a, it was a sign of hope of a new life. And I love the fact that it was shepherds that the angel was sent to. It wasn't the chief priests or the Pharisees or the teachers, but it was the men who were out honouring their calling. So rather than sleeping in their beds and taking a night off, the shepherds were diligent to their task and to their work. They were wide awake and so could not have been deceived by what they saw, as opposed to somebody who's awoken from their sleep. And I feel like God wanted his people to know of his faithfulness and so be able to celebrate the coming of his son. And that's why he went to people who were awake and who were being faithful and obedient. See, the shepherds were out keeping watch over their flock. And you see, church, we do not miss divine visits when we are faithful to God in our calling. One of the big things of note, for me at least, is how Jesus is presented from the start, even from the lips of the angel. He's presented in cloths, in a simple manger. So he's presented in humble surroundings and in humility. And that plays even more to the helpless nature of a child. You know, seeing him wrapped in cloths in a manger could have tempted the shepherds and could tempt us to think that the angels got it all wrong and that this isn't the son of God. Because the prophecies would say it was going to be a king who was going to set their people free. So is a king going to come in cloths in a manger? But then when you pair it, 
with the heavenly host coming to sing all glory to God, there is no question that this baby was the promise of hope and significant. I mean, who else has angels singing to celebrate their birth? And that in itself is a sign that he was the son of God. And I believe that this is a vital piece of the puzzle as to how this baby's birth can give us new life. See, there was expectation at his birth that he would be a king. So I want you to think about this. What sort of expectations have people had for you? And have you ever felt the weight of expectation that you've got to do things a certain way? You've got to achieve a certain level because of what people say to you. See, growing up, what I wanted to do and what my family wanted me to do were at times the same and at other times they were quite different. See, before me, nobody else had been to, to uni and so the, the expectation there was uh, go and do medicine or go and do law or go do something like that so that we can, we can say our son is this. And for me, it didn't really stick you know, I wanted to do things like be a travel writer, get paid to travel the world and, and write about my experiences. I think that would be an amazing job. And then as I got older and, and started to learn the things that I was good at and then coming to know Jesus, it was like, well, ministry and teaching people about him is what I want to do. And so it took a while for my family to actually get their head around that. You know, it's... It's a hard one sometimes, the expectations that people put on you. So I want you to just think about what those expectations that parents or others have had for you. Think about it. Did you follow through with those expectations or did the weight of expectation bring you down? You see, the danger with expectations is when you have a locked and fixed perspective on them when you are so set on one thing or parents or society is fixed on one way that things have to be done it sets up for disappointment have you experienced that you know for me it was around my year 12 results see my parents and grandparents based on their expectations of my career path expected me to, to receive a certain score. And while it wasn't bad, it didn't meet their expectations. But I want to say here, though, that a VCE score doesn't define who you are. Jesus does that. And you're more capable than what a piece of paper says that you can do. And so we are all more than that. And it's taken a number of years to show my parents and my grandparents that they don't need to be disappointed in my chosen field and that they don't need to be disappointed that I didn't reach that expectation. You know, they've seen my joy in doing what I'm called to do and now are in small ways starting to celebrate that. So don't be confined by that piece of paper. Don't be confined by the expectations that people might have on you or that society says you've got to behave a certain way. Be confined to what Jesus says about you, and that is that you are loved, that you are worthy, and that you are valued, and that you are important. But there are times where the disappointment of people and society doesn't disappear. 
And in a lot of ways, this was highlighted with the way that society at the time responded to Jesus. See, many Jews were looking for a political leader to deliver them from Roman rule or a military leader that would come in and vanquish their foes and set them free. And some were simply just hoping to be released from hardship. But those who had fixed expectations on what that would look like were left disappointed. You know, we see Jesus as being perfect, and perfection typically doesn't let people down. But it's interesting how on countless occasions during his ministry, Jesus leaves people disappointed. But that's a good thing. You see, he didn't let the expectations of people and society dictate the way that he behaved and the way that he lived his life. He taught from a place of love and partnership with God the Father, the creator of all. He knew his heavenly Father's expectations and he was faithful to them. So church, I want to encourage you, don't be confined to the world and what they say you have to do or have to say or have to wear or have to do with your life. Follow the call that God has put on you. And you know, the shepherds are an interesting one when you think about this. They would have had expectations based on what they've heard about the Messiah, but they don't hesitate at approaching him even when he is presented in a manger. The difference was that their expectations were loose. They weren't fixed on one course of action. And when we are like that, with Jesus, and when we're open to how things play out, we can adapt to what he puts before us. We can adapt to the things that life throws at us. And we get to experience that new life. See, we need to put our hope in God, not in expectations of people. Like the shepherds, let us be open to how the birth of this baby can affect our lives and how we can experience joy from a gift. So last week, Pastor Sandra was sharing and, and asked the question, is Jesus the perfect gift? She had a few people come up and, and, and demonstrate a game. Um, it's got a lot of different names. I think I go by Bad Santa, where it's basically you draw numbers out of a hat and the first person opens a present, the second person can either choose to take that present or open a present, so on and so forth. So on Thursday, we... The, the staff, we had a barbecue breakfast and we played that and it was completely chaotic but it brought so much joy. And that's the thing about Christmas is the focus should be on the joy, not the, oh, I didn't cook enough things or we miss seeing that person. Focus on the joy of, of, of who is around, the people that you are actually celebrating with and focus on the joy of what Jesus has done. You know, so many of the staff said afterwards that we need more mornings and days like that because they are filled with joy and laughter and community. Now, we get those a lot, and they typically are spoken most about at Christmas, but let's be a church and a people who, who want to bring that joy and that laughter and that community at all times. Let's, let it not be just confined to a, an event on a calendar, but let us walk in joy. See, too often the weight of expectation of a good gift gets us down or family not living up to expectations or even just that we don't celebrate the successes of our lives at the time. You know, 
we need to be free from expectations that are negative and find the joy and the gift of new life through this baby. And as these shepherds began their trek, and as we've spoken about, they did so knowing the talk and promises of a Messiah that would set them free. After years of oppression, there is finally a cause for hope and joy. So how does a baby equate to hope and joy? Well, prophecy from an Old Testament prophet some 700 years before this birth occurred is a good place to look. Now, Isaiah chapter 52 verse 13 to chapter 53 verse 12 is the fourth of four servant songs in the book of Isaiah. And these four songs are direct messianic prophecies that talk about what this coming Messiah would achieve in his life. You know, we've talked about how babies are the promise of new life and new things, then the power of expectations at birth and through life. Finally now, I want to show how at the time of a birth, we need to not just celebrate that new life event, but also celebrate the life the child will live, especially in the case of Jesus. You see, in order for us to experience new life, we need to celebrate and understand the life that Jesus would live. So I just want to quick, quickly read uh, verses 4 to 7 of Isaiah 53. It says, Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought, brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. Now, it's full on, and you might be like, Jimmy, why are you reading something so downcast it's christmas it's a time of joy and and hope and i agree and you know and verse 10 says it was the lord's will to crush him and cause us to suffer but the thing is we have hope because of what's happened it might be sad to read but when you actually think about it what jesus endured for us in his life brings us hope it brings us joy it gives us that promise of new life you know, through the birth and subsequent, subsequent life of Jesus, we get the opportunity at a new spiritual birth and a new spiritual life. And that is something worth celebrating. Am I right? You know, while we normally hear these verses in the context of contemplation and sometimes sadness, like I said, I believe that we need to celebrate. Not that he had to die, but celebrate what his life taught, taught us and what his death and resurrection achieved for us. Church, the life that Jesus lived is worth celebrating. Not just at Christmas, but all year round. But particularly at this time of year, I think it's, it's good to not be fixated on the birth, but on what his birth would achieve. That new life would give us new life. You know, because of his birth, we can be confident in the hope and the joy that is given to us. The purpose of our Heavenly Father for his eternal Son 
was for him to restore the righteousness of God's people and reconcile them to him. This is why we sing with joy. And verses 11 and 12 of Isaiah 53 give some consideration as to the reward that there is for Jesus for enduring the purpose laid before him. You know, it says he will get a portion among the great. So we know that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father. And from that, I, I want to encourage you that while our purpose may not be easy, the reward of being faithful to the call is more than can be imagined. You know, it is hard to imagine that a baby can change the world. But what is hard to ignore is the significance of Jesus' birth. It provided the people with hope, hope that their oppression will be ended, that they will be free from the bonds that hold them back. And for us, what Jesus did in dying on the cross gives us a second chance. His birth and life give us a new spiritual life for all of eternity if we believe. And for me, I guess the biggest sign of this proof is the urgency of the shepherd's visit visit, and the fact that three magi made a point of coming to see the child. You know, the magi saw a star on their journey and they knew that the new king of the Jews had been born. Herod was concerned but showed fascination and sent them out. And they followed the star to Jesus and presented him with gifts and with joy. The thing here is that they would... Gentiles, so they wouldn't have known the prophecies that had been spoken through the Israelites throughout the Old Testament, but still they came with joy and with gifts. You know, and I, I just love that God spoke to the shepherds and the magi in the ways that spoke the clearest to them about who this baby was. So we celebrate the birth of Jesus today, but more than that, we celebrate his life. For without the love of the Father and the obedience of the Son, the hope that we now have and the relationship with God we have access to would not be available. So I want to get the band to come back up. As we come around this time of worship, we're going to sing Joy to the World again. And I want you to sing this and really believe it as a song of hope and of joy and of celebration that you're singing in your new life and not just singing it because everybody else is. Let's celebrate the life Jesus lived and the fact that his birth brought us life and his death and resurrection give us eternal life. Let us celebrate together and stand in joy for the new life his birth has brought us. Let's pray. Father God, we... We thank you that you give us new birth. We thank you that you have given us the the greatest gift that we could ever receive, and that being your son coming and dying for us to give us a second chance. And while every head is bowed and eyes are closed, if there's something that's that's jumped out at you this morning and you're like, yeah, I... I want that. I want that new life. I want that chance at having a clean slate and starting again with Jesus. If that's you, if you're brave enough, while every head is bowed and eyes are closed, just put your hand up and say, Jesus, 
I want that second chance. I want that new birth. Head is bowed and eyes are closed. You know Jesus. Just reach out to him and say, Jesus, I commit to you afresh. Keep working in my life and making things new. So, Lord, we just thank you for all you have done, are doing, and will do in and through each and every one of us, Lord God. And I pray that you would keep us all safe as we go to different parts of the city to see family. And I just pray for a day filled with hope and love and joy. In Jesus' name, amen.